Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. <laughs> there we go. I don't think I've ever had one so quiet on the first go around. You guys had me scared there for a second. It is so good, so good to be with each and every one of you this morning. As I said before, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at NAPNAS, and we are so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. Hey, a few things. Would you do me a favor? Grab your bulletin this morning as we continue to keep you plugged in to everything going on um, in our church body at Nap Nas. First and foremost, I do want to emphasize our final life group summer gathering will be next Sunday at 5:30. So this is only one week of announcements. So if you're if you're here and you're like I'm new, I'm visiting, I'm not connected, and I want to be, this is for you. Our life group summer gathering, and it's not necessarily to put you into a life group. This time is meant to have you connect with people, to meet people from this church body, to discover how you can get more involved. And we would love to have you can go on to our website, napnaz.church, right there in that front page. That's where the sign-up's at. Please, 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 if you are looking to get more involved in everything that God is doing in this church, we want you we want you to be there. We want you to come. And if you are a part of a life group, and maybe you don't have life group next Sunday night, we would love for you to come out. It is extremely valuable to have your input as to everything that goes on in life groups and all the things that here at the church that you've been plugged into. We would love to have you meet anybody new here at this church. So please sign up this week, natnaz.church, and you can find that uh, sign up there. Also, the Henry County Fair is literally right around the corner. Right now, and as many of you know, we, have, we partner with Liberty Chapel, and we man a fair stand. It is some good food that we make, and it's a lot of fun. But right now, only about 60% of the shifts are filled. So we need, we need volunteers. We need people to sign up. We, let, me, let me explain it this way. This, this fair stand, all of the proceeds between our two churches go right back to missions. This is the part of who we are. We aim to help people take their next steps in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We do this through worshiping, connecting, and serving. This is our mission. Right now, we have a team serving the Appalachia Reach Out Ministry right now. Funds from the fair stand go right to that to help sponsor, to help bring stuff down. All of these mission trips are helped by the fair stand. We would love for you. And I was talking with someone earlier this morning, and as they were planning and as they were having this meeting for the fair stands, discovering, like, how do we get people to understand the importance of this? And one individual said, you know, I, for me and my family, we're not really in the spot where going on a mission trip is actually viable. We can't do that right now. But here's one way we do serve. We serve at the fair stand. We can't go somewhere, so we stay local, and we go to the fair stand, we help raise funds. If we can't go, then we're going to send with the resources. So again, believe me, it is a lot of fun. And like I said last week, the sign-up's online. You can actually go up out into the lobby too and to see if your name's out there. And if you don't see someone's name out there, sign them up. Let them know. Let them know, hey, 
Six o'clock in the morning, you're working. It'll be good. It'll be good. But hey, as we continue, I do want to pray over our Aero team that is currently serving down south. So would you pray for me, with me? Father, we love you and we praise you. God, we give you up our Aero team who's currently serving you. God, would you be with them? God, would you give them comfort? May they know that they have a church body back home praying for them. May they feel your peace and your tranquility as they go about this week serving you all for the glory and the expansion of your kingdom. God, may your name be glorified in all that we do. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we continue into our Colossians series. If you're new with us, welcome. You're coming right smack dab as we walk through the book of Colossians. Each and every week this this summer, we are walking through to see what Paul has for us as he wrote to a church nearly 2,000 years ago, and we're understanding why the truths of yesterday still stand relevant today. Before I do, I, I want to share a story with you, a story of quite possibly the scariest moment of my life, one of the scariest for sure, one of the scariest moments of my life. And it started out innocently enough. We were at a friend's house, my twin and I, and we were hanging out with a buddy, and he has a pond. And out in the middle of this pond is a raft. And when you have three pre-teenage boys with a raft and a pond, one thing must be made known from the very beginning. Who is superior? The only way to prove that, king of the raft. So we go swimming out to the middle of this raft, and we're, we're delegating, and next thing you know, it starts. The battle has commenced, and we're throwing people off, and, and it's one-on-one, and, and we're g- going back and forth, back and forth. Whoever gets thrown off, well, they're climbing right back up, and they're ready to tackle the other person right down into the water. And before we know it, me and Jordan, This is it, because this isn't just about who's more superior as a friend. This would have lifelong ramifications. Whoever throws the other off here will forever be remembered as the superior twin. This is it, the battle of battles. Guess who threw the other one off? Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. We battled and we wrestled. Next thing you know, he's in the water, and I'm like, yes! And then all of a sudden, I hear him surface above the water. And I hear him, what I think to be grumbling and griping, and I couldn't care less. He's be- I threw him off. I'm not going to feel bad about that. And then it happened. From the shoreline, I hear the dad yell, he's choking. He's choking. And I look over to the side, and Jordan isn't grumbling or griping. He's struggling. So I dive into the water, and I come up, and I look at him. And what was supposed to be a safety cord that you could grab onto to prevent yourself from drowning, that safety cord had wrapped around his neck. And he's struggling for air. And I'm I'm there, and I'm looking at his face of, of panic and desperation. What, what could I do? I couldn't do anything. I mean, the cord is, is so taut around his neck, and, I, and I'm trying to get his head below water. That's not working, and, and I'm watching the panic on his face because I threw him under the water. And after what seemed like forever, his head finally slips below the surface, and he comes back up, and he's free. 
out of nowhere. To this day, me and Jordan will discuss that. And we have no idea how he was set free other than the hand of God. He would go for a week with marks around his neck from that rope, from that cord, so taut, the burns that it had caused as he was struggling for air. One of the scariest moments of my life. As humans, we often don't think of our lives as being king or queen of the rafts. We often don't think about how our actions, our need to be number one in the eyes of the world, our need to be on top, our need for more and more and more, we often don't think about the ramifications that then come after, how we then affect others around us, how our actions to throw somebody off the raft so we could be king or queen actually leads to something quite more serious our need for more, our desire to be the best, our desire, our pursuit to climb this ladder of success. But the thing about it is, this ladder of success is never ending. Because the minute that we become king or queen of the raft is the minute that someone else comes up or something else comes up and we're continually fighting to the end of our days to make sure that we are the only one standing on the raft in the middle of the water. And when we find this accomplishment, when we finally get everything that our hearts ever desired, we're left there alone on a tiny little raft of our life with everybody else struggling in the water. But we as humans, we call this freedom. We call this victory. Ha ha, I am king of my world. This raft is mine and no one can take it from me. We aim for all the best things. We aim for status. We aim for success. We aim for that one pay raise. We aim to be popular at school. We aim to have academic and athletic achievements. We aim for our kids to have those as well. And we'll do anything to make sure it happens. And when it does, we just keep on pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. This ladder of success, this time on the raft, it never ends. We think it's victory. We think it's freedom. But is it really freedom that we're alone on a raft of our life, perpetually on edge as to what might be the next thing threatening to take this away from me? Freedom is not found at the end of pursuing ourselves. Freedom is not found at the end of pursuing ourselves because there is no end there. We are actually enslaved to a never-ending rat race. So the question must be asked, if freedom and victory cannot be found, when we are king or queen of our own lives, then when are we truly free and victorious? When are we truly free and victorious? If we can't find freedom as being rulers, sovereigns, masters of our own life with everything we've ever wanted, then when are we truly Free. This is the question we're asking today. And we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. As Dave walked us through last week, this first portion of chapter 3. And Paul, in fact, as he's been writing this, he's actually told us in chapter 2, hey, this ladder of success, all of these things that you think you're going to earn and achieve and accomplish, none of it will ever bring you freedom. It can't happen. 
You can do X, Y, and Z for the rest of your life. You can do everything correctly, have all of the raises, all of the best reputations, all of the best high-quality stuff in the world, and you'll never find freedom. You can follow every rule in the checkbook. You can go down the list saying, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. And Paul tells us, you will never find freedom. And so today, as we go into chapter 3, I want to discuss when are we truly free and victorious. And today's the first half of that answer. As we go through verses 5 through 11, how do we discover freedom well beyond that sole little tiny raft in the middle of a pond that we think that we're king of, and that'll give us freedom? How do we move beyond the raft to experience all that God has for us today? Because victory is for today. Not just for tomorrow, not just for the future heaven, but we are offered victory. We are invited into victory today. Colossians chapter 3, join me please, starting in verse 5. Last week we read the first four verses, this week we continue, and this is what it says. Verses 5 through 7. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. We're going to stop there real quickly because as we figure out when are we truly free, we have to first discuss the very thing that doesn't keep us free. As a world, as society, as human beings, we think that as long as we've mastered ourselves, as long as we're doing everything for me, then we are going to experience victory and freedom. And yet here, Paul is saying, hey, put to death what is earthly in you. And I would make this argument. The very source of all earthly things begins with our very self. And it's at the beginning of chapter 3 that Paul tells us, first and foremost, hey, if you are a Christian, if you have been raised with Christ, if you have placed your faith in him, if you have been baptized into his baptism then begin seeking everything that is beyond this earth. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is. What would Christ do? I mean, it's the common question. We all know it, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Think of the things. Seek the things that are above. Seek beyond ourselves. Therefore, put to death whatever would keep you focused on yourself. I mean, think about it. Think of these symptoms that he talks about. Sexual immorality, impurity, Passion, evil desire, covetousness, all of these things are about me. Instant gratification through sexual immorality. Passion leads me to always needing to be right, and I will do anything to make sure that I am right. The need for more and more and more comes from the covetousness, which is idolatry. All of these things are symptoms of us only focused on us. These are the things that, in the eyes of the world, make us number one. We are on top. As long as we have all of these things, nothing else matters. All of these things represent us climbing the ladder only to push and shove those down around us. As we climb the ladder of success, as we wrestle for sovereignty over our raft, we throw everybody else off around us. Caring not for what, this, what the consequences will be. 
We just know that we're king of our wrath. wrath. But look what it says there in verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. You know, this makes God, why, why, does, why is God's wrath always talked about? Man, it just seems like God is this punitive, this punishing, this uh, just throwing lightning bolts down at people. Why is God always, why is his wrath always... Friends, the wrath of God is coming to destroy the sickness and the evil and the sinfulness and the brokenness that permeates our world. This idea of sexual morality and impurity and passion and evil desires, all of these things that make us feel like we're masters, God's like, no, I'm done with it. Because it's that very mentality, that very attitude, that very sickness that it's destroying my creation. It's the very cancer that runs through my creation and we must perform surgery to remove it. The wrath of God is simply coming down because we think that we can master ourselves. And in mastering ourselves, we destroy everybody else around us. Some of us have mastered it so well, we can make it seem like we actually care about others. When in reality, we're just manipulating the situation to make us seem better and better and better. The wrath of God comes on account of all of these things. The wrath of God comes because we are a people only focused on ourselves. And Paul goes on to say, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. Okay, some of you are like, Justin, you're being an awful downer right now. We need to get some good news. Here's where the good news begins. In these you two once walked. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That just means that there's another option before us. That means there's something else before us that has happened that we no longer have to stay on our raft. Because of course, think about it. If your only option in life was the little raft of your life, then of course you're gonna fight for it. Of course you're gonna do everything possible to manipulate your way to make sure that you remain sovereign because who would want to invite someone else on this tiny little raft that they might have control over it more than you? Of course you wanna control your own raft of your life. But Paul's like, no, 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 no. Friends, hey, hey, hey. In these you two once, once walked when you were living in them, when you were living in this pond with nothing else to offer you, this is how you lived. But guess what, friends? This is where the good news begins because just in the same way that we watch people get baptized today, there is something new to enter into. There is something new, something where we can discover the freedom, where we can discover the victory that Christ has for us. There is a more true source of freedom. And we'll get to that, but not quite yet. What we need to see here is that pursuing self, pursuing self leaves us isolated on the raft. Pursuing self leaves us in isolation. It keeps us imprisoned. It keeps us enslaved to only pursuing the things of us. Our only option then is the raft before us. But there is something more. We stay enslaved as long as we're pursuing self, but there is something more on its way. So we continue in verse 8. Knowing that pursuing self leads to isolation, but this is what it says. In these you two once walked, verse 7, when you were living in them, but now, 
suggesting that if you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus, something has occurred, but now, presently, this is where it gets really good, friends. Not, hey, but later on, guess what? You're going to experience a victory. No, 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 not but later, but now. But now you must put them all away, these things that left you focused on yourself. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Friends, this is simply suggesting that as long as you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, as long as, you have, as long as you have said, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and I want to walk in him, then all of a sudden you no longer have to be so concentrated on yourself. You have a choice to live in anger. I mean, it's like you're walking down an aisle at a grocery store and here you have anger and here you have joy. You have a choice before you. But now you must put them all away. All of these symptoms that have left you concentrated on yourself. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Again, all of these are representations. They are symptoms of us fighting for our own raft that we call a kingdom. It even says here, you must put it away, wrath. Well, right before it, we were told that God's wrath is coming. Now he's saying, hey, put this away, your wrath. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you, our wrath is flawed and imperfect. God's wrath, though, brings holiness and righteousness, destroying evil around, removing sickness and brokenness. And he's saying, put it all away. Put it all away. Put to death these symptoms. Put all of these symptoms away. Because, friends, our significance our purpose, our fulfillment, our feeling of being loved, they are no longer dependent on our achievements or our accomplishments. Our value is no longer dependent on our salary. Our value is no longer dependent on a perfect reputation. Our value, our significance, our ability to be loved is no longer dependent on our kids' behavior. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You're not loved because your kids are perfect. You're not loved because you have accomplished everything in your life to the fullest degree. You don't, you don't have value and purpose because kids, teenagers, high schoolers, because you're the most popular in school. Or because you have that number one relationship. Or because you've achieved everything that your parents want to achieve. There is a love greater than the parents' love. Parents, there's a love greater than your love for your, for your kiddos. And it begins with Christ. Pursuing self, teaching our kids to pursue self, not only does it leave them isolated, perpetually fighting on their own raft, willing to throw anybody off, but it leaves, it leaves us stuck. Even if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, when we enter into his domain, if we continue to pursue self, it leaves us stuck. It leaves us without being able to experience all that God would have us experience. But friends, the choice is ours. The old self has been removed, it says. This need to deceive, this need to get ahead, this need to always feel on top, to always feel good is put away. The time of fighting to be number one in the eyes of the world is done and put away with. Pursuing self leaves 
us stuck. It leaves us stuck in the past. It leaves us stuck with no ability to move forward. You're thinking to yourself, Justin, when is that? <laughs> when is freedom coming? We're isolated, we're stuck on this raft after we've thrown everybody off. What comes next? Because pursuing self leaves us in isolation and pursuing self leaves us stuck. So we come to the good news in verse 10. After Paul has said, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Friends, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, there is good news. There is victory for today. When, when, you have, when you have underwent the baptism of Christ, you have been stripped of your past. You have been removed from your raft, from your domain, from the little raft of your life that you fought so hard for. You've been removed from this and brought to shore to experience the fullness of God's creation. To experience everything that he would have for you. This new self that has been putting on, that is being put on, which is being renewed, allows us to see the fullest expanse of the kingdom of God. We are no longer on the raft throwing everybody off. We are on the land that Christ is king over. This new self allows us to experience the love of God in a way that we could never possibly experience it. You can't possibly know the greatness, the depth of the love of God until you reach land beyond your raft. And you don't have to swim there you don't have to work your way there. Christ has done all of the work. He has made a way possible for you to go from the raft that you fought so hard to have control over to walking across. In fact, it wasn't even walking. He literally picked us up and said, if you said, yes, God, I need you, he picks us up and he takes us over to the, his land. This new self it grows in knowledge, we're told, being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who is our creator but Jesus Christ himself? And think about it. Pursuing self enslaves us. Pursuing self leaves us imprisoned. What did Christ do? Christ, who walked daily in the greatest amount of freedom and the greatest sense of victory, daily, each and every day of his life, Christ pursued each and every one of us. He pursues you and me until we are wooed over so that he can then pick us up and remove us from the domain of darkness, as Colossians 1 says, and be transferred over to the kingdom of the Son. This is the good news. That since the very beginning of the fall, we have been tricked and deceived as humans that as long as we pursue ourselves, we will experience the fullness of life here on earth. And Christ is saying, no! Let me show you, though, how to experience the fullness of this life. And it goes against every ounce of our being. He died. He was crucified. He was tortured. He had a whip with shards of glass and metal and pottery taken into his back and then ripped out 
so that you and I could experience victory and freedom. And he's saying, look, it's in this action that I am asking then you to follow me so that you can experience the fullness of life here on earth, not just for tomorrow, but for today. When we begin to forget pursuing ourselves, we then look up from our raft and see that there is a land, a shore, an expanse of creation that is waiting for you and for me. And here's what it says in verse 11. Verse 11 says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and he is in all. You know why we don't have to fight any longer? Because Christ is the equalizer. He levels the playing field. There is no rich, there is no poor, there is no superior, there is no inferior. He levels the playing field so that we don't have to fight, but that we can trust that when God the Father looks down upon us, we are saturated and infused with Christ himself. When are we free? We are free when Christ is everything, not when we are everything. When are we free? We are free when we can say these words. We get to be last in the eyes of the world because we are already first in the eyes of God. When are we free? Not when we're on top of the world, not when we're number one, not when we've accomplished all else. We are free when we can say, I get to be last. I get to. In the eyes of all of you, I get to be last because I am already first in the eyes of God. Friends, today, baptism, it's not something that that we check off. We don't believe that baptism automatically guarantees salvation. We don't believe that baptism um, uh, makes us superior Christians. Baptism is simply the very action of an individual who has left the raft because God took them and placed them on land. Baptism is one of the very first steps a Christian takes to say, I am last because I am already first. And it's all through the life, the death, and the resurrection of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today, as we close this Baptism Sunday, as we understand, as we walk away knowing that pursuing self leaves us in isolation on the raft, pursuing self leaves us stuck in the past, but when we pursue Christ and Him alone and along with Him, all others, we then get to say, we are free. We are free. I am free. So today I would invite you to stand. Because today we're going to sing what I believe is so poignant in Christ alone. And I would invite you during this time, would you make that declaration? Is this a reality in your life? Are you free in Christ alone? Let us worship.
so today, we go in the victorious, strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Through his spirit, who enables us to overcome all of our selfish desires, that they would be buried with Christ and alive in him today. We go in Christ alone that the world might see him in and through us and we live in the joy and the resurrection power of Jesus. Amen? Amen. For God is good and all the time. Let's go today in the wonderful name of Jesus. Praise God. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.